As I say, each time we gather together for worship, we are blessed with an amazing amount of talent in our church. And we're thankful to Amy for that, that special music and for Frank and Alan for their playing today and Tim as always. And uh, thankful for Ants and all that he does in their intersection team as well. We are, we are indeed a blessed people. Our passage, our gospel reading this morning will come from Matthew's gospel. For Matthew chapter 28, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 10 of this passage. And I invite you to stand as you are uh, in body or in spirit, wherever you find yourself for the reading of our gospel lesson. After the Sabbath, as the first day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing became white as snow. Fear of him, for fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has been raised from the dead, and indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I've always loved music. Uh, that's why it's, uh, I think it's God's sense of humor that I can't sing a lick because I love good music. That's one thing I've always loved about. I've loved about Easter. I've loved uh, the Easter songs as we uh, record this morning. I had to be very careful when we sing that I didn't sing too loud because I didn't want you friends worshiping at home to hear my voice come through the television or iPad or computer and terrify small children. That's not what we want on Easter Sunday morning. But I love, I love music. I love, I'm always, I'm one of those folks when I'm working on sermons or when I was in college working and studying or just around the house, I'm going to have music on when I'm doing chores around the house, whatever. I've got my headphones on. I'm listening to either some mu- something musical or some type of podcast. I just love music. Like I said, it's one thing I love about Easter. I love I love uh, the Easter songs we sing. I love the when we get to process in. I just love, I love the Easter music season. I love, uh, growing up as a kid, I listened to uh, those of you in South Mississippi. Uh, I listened to K106 out of Macomb a lot when I was a kid. I'd leave my radio on and leave the, win- leave the windows up and listen to the music. Or Miss 103 out of Jackson. Or sometimes on a clear night, I could pick up Cajun 103 out of Baton Rouge. And I listen to music. One of my favorite albums of all time, as you know, I've been doing a lot of reading this week and, and recently about the effect that this pandemic is going to have on our society moving forward and how in some ways it's like a big reset for us. And things change and we don't think about how they change. Think back to, to 9-11. Can you imagine before 9-11 having them take your shoes off the airport? People would lost, think you lost your daggum mind. And now we don't, we don't even think about it, do we? Oh, got to take my shoes off. Let me take my belt off. Let me do all these things. We just do it naturally because that's, that's what life is. So what's life going to look like after all this is over? And that's got me thinking about 9-11 a lot and what our nation was like pre-9-11 versus post-9-11. Those of us who are old enough to remember it, which many of us are, most of us probably. 
Um, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about music. And my, one of my favorite albums ever is an album that came out after 9-11 by Bruce Springsteen. It's an album called The Rising. It, it's one of the, you know how sometimes you'll get an, an, an earworm, get a song or something in your head, you just can't get out of your head? I've really had that song, The Rising, stuck in my head for a couple weeks now. And no matter what I'm doing, I'll find myself going and watching a video of it, or I'll go and go to Spotify and listen to it, or I'll just, I'll find myself humming it throughout the day. The Rising, though, is a very powerful album. It's actually an album of lament. If you go and um, read through the Bible, we read from Jeremiah today, and Jeremiah is a, is a prophet who knows a lot about lamenting. In fact, he wrote the book Lamentations, which was written after Jerusalem fell. It's a painful book of, of hurt and of loss. It is a lamentation. Well, the, song, the album, The Rising by Bruce Springsteen, is in many ways a lamentation. Uh, there's a song that he wrote uh, called My City of Ruins, uh, which was originally written uh, for his hometown uh, with, with uh, the great economic struggles their town faced. But it became a song that was repurposed for New York City after 9-11, My City of Ruins. A very heart-rending song when you hear it sung, particularly when you hear it sung live. But the main song on the album to me is the title track. It's entitled The Rising. And it's a song of hope. It's a song that acknowledges the pain that so many have experienced and felt in that moment, but it the chorus keeps saying, come on up for the rising. Come on up for the rising. That yes, out of the rubbles of this disaster, out of the pain of this moment, there will come a rising. And I think that's why I've had that song in my head so much. Not just thinking about Easter and not just thinking about all that we're doing to prepare for this moment, but thinking about our, our nation and our world. This notion of the rising. And that like a phoenix rising from the ashes, life emerges from death. I've often said if a preacher can't preach on Easter, then there's just something wrong. I mean, this is our Super Bowl. This is, this is, this is Easter, y'all. This, this is it, man. We are an Easter people. We literally worship on a different day of the week than our Jewish ancestors did because of the resurrection. I mean, this is, this is it. This is why we do what we do when we do it. Easter is the, the, whole, the whole fulcrum, the whole uh, center point of our faith is resurrection. That is what we are. We are a resurrection people. Easter's it. And as churches, man, y'all, I'll let you know a little, in, a little inside baseball for churches. We love to go big on Easter. I mean, it's go big or go home. It's like fighting a bear. Go big. I mean, you go big on Easter. Uh, I always, me, me and Tim were talking before we started today, should we, do, should we, uh, we, we say press in, should we do our Jesus parade? And I love my Jesus parade on Easter, man. I love to press in with the choir. It's good stuff, man. I love it. Love. I love to hear the congregation sing up from the graveyard road with gusto. I love it. I mean, on Easter Sundays, I've set things on fire in church before. I've painted stuff on Easter. Like, I've done some pretty crazy things on Easter. Because it's a big deal. And churches 
try to go big on Easter. And I've heard some churches do some pretty interesting and some pretty silly things sometimes on Easter to get your attention. Because we know that everything comes down to this. And we want folks to hear the resurrection power of Jesus. But yet this year for Easter, it's different. Just like with music, this year's Easter's kind of an unplugged album. Everything's been stripped back. No big crowds. No Jesus parades. None of that. It's you watching and worshiping through technology. It's a very different experience. But I think in many ways that's good. Because sometimes as churches, we can get so caught up in having the big to do. Woo, look at this. This is awesome. Which it is, by the way. It's awesome. Jesus deserves our best. But sometimes it's easy for us to forget. And we need to be reminded that nothing that we can do is better than the actual message of Easter. There's nothing I can say more eloquently than what Scripture says this morning. There's nothing that I can do that is more of a miracle than what Scripture tells us this morning. There's nothing that we can do on any Easter ever that will ever supersede the miracle of the first Easter. The first Easter is what it's all about. And there's nothing any of us can do that will ever supersede or be better than that. So this Easter is making us strip it all away and be reminded of what it's really all about. It's not about the fact that I wanted to get me a good, beautiful, pastel um, seersucker suit that would make me look so pretty, Tim. It's not about that. It's not about the fact that we do all these things. But it's about the fact that he arose and he overcame. That's the miracle of Easter. is the resurrection and the power of Christ overcoming everything. See, that's the message. Death could not hold him back. The grave could not conquer him. Sin could not defeat him. All these things could not stop Jesus, but he overcame them all. That is the miracle of Easter, is that he rose, that he overcame, and nothing could defeat the resurrection power of Jesus. And that life, life, life always triumphs over death. Life triumphs over death. Love wins over hate. Mercy wins. Grace wins. Life wins. Light wins. Nothing can stop the life-changing, graceful love of our Savior, Jesus. He has overcome. But here's the thing, y'all. Here's the thing, which I think is so significant now. For him to overcome, there must have been something for him to overcome. Faith is not a fairy tale. Overcoming is not a fairy tale. Easter is not a fairy tale. 
There's real loss. There's real hurt. There's real fear. Some of you watching this right now, you may be worried about your job. What's it going to look like for you in the days ahead? That's real. Some of us right now, are, you're close to retirement. So you're watching your portfolio and your, your investments plummet with uncertainty. That's real. That's not pretend. It's not imaginary. It's not a fairy tale. Some of you that have children who are doctors and nurses who go to bed scared every night, wake up scared every morning. There's some kids watching this. I remind my family every night how blessed we are to live in a community, the community that we live in. We have adequate internet coverage. My kids are able to teleconference into school. Yeah, we're so blessed. There are some parents right now who are worried about not only their own employment long-term, but worried about the education of their children. That's real, y'all. And some of you this morning deeply feel that. And even if you're putting on a brave face for your family or for your kids or for your parents, you still feel it. And it's still real. And it still gnaws on your heart. And you still feel that hot breath in the back of your neck. And you're afraid. And friends, I'm here to tell you that's okay. It's okay to be afraid. Because there are things to be afraid of. Things that worry me, that scare me, lots of things. I'm afraid of everything. I'm a coward. A lot of you, a lot, most of you, a lot braver than I am. But it's okay. For, for him to overcome, there had to be something for him to overcome. Death is real, but it is not final. Pain is real, but it is not final. The things that we fear are real, but they are not final because they do not have the final word. They do not hold the keys to life and death, but Jesus Christ holds the keys to life and death, and he has overcome. He has risen. He is alive. He is hope. He is resurrection. He is power. He is grace. And nothing, even our fears, even our doubts, even our worries, even our anxiety, even our depression, even our addiction, even our hatred, all these things that we battle with and struggle with and fight against each day, they are not final. For He is risen. He has risen indeed. Come on up for the rising. 
Because he is alive forevermore. For him to overcome, there must be something that he has overcome. And the fear and doubt and pain of this moment do not have the final word. Jesus Christ has the final word. Come on up for the rising. One of the hardest funerals I've ever done in ministry was a funeral pretty early, early in my, or pretty early in my ministry. A young man, a young man who was very vital, living life to the fullest, former athlete, great guy. I started not feeling well. It was weird. Um, just didn't feel well. And so he, uh, you know, like most of us do, kind of put off going to the doctor. He finally went. And when he went, he found out he had a pretty rare, pretty, uh, pretty extreme type of leukemia that he had to go to war with. And so for several years, I saw him battle this leukemia. He had to do, do multiple bone marrow transplants trying to, trying to save his life. And if you've ever seen somebody have to do a bone marrow transplant, you know that's a tough process because they basically have to take you almost to death's door to do the transplant. And I saw him go through that multiple times. And I saw the fear, but I also saw the determination. I saw the fight. I saw the willingness. And he fought, oh, he fought hard, fought so hard. And eventually he, he got to where he just couldn't fight anymore. And he passed away from it. And I remember doing this funeral. And I said in that funeral, I called his name and I said, yeah, leukemia took his life. But he beat leukemia. He beat it. Now, yeah, it did take his life. But it didn't take him. Because when I'd go to the hospital and visit with him, he still would talk smack about baseball with me. And he'd still pick at me. And we'd still joke about where we're going to go eat when he gets out. And he never changed. Leukemia took his hair and took his athleticism and took his frame and took all these things. But it did not take him. He was not defeated by it because as real as the pain was, that pain did not have the final word. As real as the fear was, that fear did not have the final word. And as real as that death was, that death did not have the final word. And my friend overcame even that because my Savior overcame even that. Where, O oh death, is your sting? Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is this? It is taken. It is taken from you by the King of kings and Lord of lords. And greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Come on up for the rising.
for he is risen. I know we're afraid. And I know we're worried. But he is with us. Come on up for the rising. We are a people of resurrection and we are a people of hope. This moment is having its moment. But it does not have the final word. Resurrection has the final word. Come on up for the rising. I said it a million times. I've been here. I'll keep saying it. Y'all, our, better, our best days still lie ahead of us. Greater things are yet to be done here. Come on up for the rising. We are a people of resurrection and a people of hope. This moment will not have the final word. Resurrection, life, grace, hope. They always have the final word. We are people of hope and of life. May we always live in that. Let's pray.